I love the, the description in that passage. John first writes and says, let your love be in action. Love isn't true love unless it's in truth and action, not just with speech and words, but in the way that we live our lives as well. And then dives right in to say, this is what the love of Christ looks like, who loved in action. Didn't just speak the truth, but lived out the truth in love. That's really what we're called to as Christ's followers today. Um, that's what it looks like to live the life of Jesus. If you'd follow along with me, we're going to read John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. It'll be on the screen for us today. Hear Jesus' metaphor, his parable of the good shepherd this morning. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When the hired hand sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away. That's because he isn't the shepherd. The sheep aren't really his, so the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. He's only a hired hand, and the sheep don't really matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I give up my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that don't belong to this pen. I must lead them too. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me. I gave up my life so that I can take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I give it up because I want to. I have the right to give it up, and I have the right to take it up again. I received this commandment from my Father. This is the gospel of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Well, in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and a lot of the prophets of the Old Testament, shepherds was a metaphor for kings, for prophets, and a good shepherd was one who cared for the flock the way that they would even lay themselves down for the flock. But Jeremiah and Ezekiel especially, they say bad shepherds are one who just leaves the flock and abandons it to the attacker or the wolf. So you can imagine when a king would rule over Israel and another force would invade and they just left Israel, that would be leaving their flock vulnerable to the wolf. Now, I, I am a, a visual learner, and so I thought I'd bring a sheep pen of what it would probably look like in Christ's day. There's still ruins like this in Israel of where they would keep um, sheep. Levi asked a great question. He's like, why is the shepherd sitting at the door? Why not put a gate there? That's a great question because this is prior to the Bronze Age, so there's no metal to hang an, a hinge or a swinging door of any kind. So the shepherd would actually sit in the gate, to, in the entryway to protect the flock by night and lay there and sleep there. there the shepherd's life was dedicated to the life and well-being of the sheep. And you can imagine people trying to climb over the, the, the sheep pen and, and get into it to disturb and scatter the flock, as Jesus was talking about. So this metaphor would just resonate with his audience in the first century Palestine, because everyone knew a shepherd, right? How many of you know a shepherd personally? Come on, Jesus. Seriously? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many of you know a shepherd? I don't know a shepherd personally. It's not something um, that, that I resonate with. And I actually uh, walked down the Basque District who are sheep herders by, by nationality. They, they moved here to Boise to shepherd sheep. 
And so they have a lot of this imagery. If you walk down the Bass District, they have a lot in the museum there and things like that. So if you ever want to know more about sheep, take a stroll down uh, downtown and, and learn about that. So Jesus is using a metaphor that would really resonate with his audience. And he talks about these other sheep. And I want to start off the sermon today by asking, who are the Gentiles of our day? Who are these other sheep in our time? A Gentile for the Jewish people of Christ's day were those who were not part of the covenant of Abraham. Typically, Greeks and Romans, they were those who lived and looked and worshipped very differently from Israel. So we who have committed our lives to Jesus, who are seeking the kingdom of God, who desire to live a life of obedience to God, who are part of the new covenant of the body of Christ, we have to ask ourselves today, who are the Gentiles to us? Who are the other sheep in this new covenant? It would be those who don't live and worship like we do, right? That's what would fit in this metaphor. But for us in modern-day America, it's not just people who aren't Christians. As a pastor, do you know who <laughs> the angriest comments I get from Christians are about other Christians, right? So it's not just, it's not typically unbelievers or people who believe differently or worship in a different religion, it's typically someone who's a Christian by another brand, a different brand of Christianity. For many, it's Christians who are, don't worship the same, Christ the same way that they do, who are the other sheep. You'll hear people say, they won't call them Gentiles outright, right? We don't use that word anymore. But you'll hear people say something like this, yeah, they call themselves Christians, but fill in the blank right? They call, they say they worship Jesus, but fill in the blank. They believe in speaking in tongues, or they pray to saints, or have a high regard for Mary. And so they put them in these other categories. African Nazarenes look at American Nazarenes and say, they're Christians, but they have no rhythm. They can't dance. They can't sing. So they might be the other sheep, right? They might be the other sheep to, to African Christians. So they count them as Gentiles in their mind. They say, yes, they say that they worship Jesus, but we all do it, right? Whenever, I, whenever our deepest convictions are, whatever those, those beliefs are, we look at other people who don't believe the same way we do or as deeply as we do with suspicion, and sometimes even contempt. We may not call them Gentiles. I haven't seen someone walking down the street saying, you are a Gentile. I haven't seen that in our, in our, in our world today. But we do set them apart as if they're a part of a, of a different sheep pen, right? What is worse, we can start to believe that they aren't loved by the good shepherd in the same deep way that we are loved by that good shepherd. To this, Jesus said, I have other sheep that don't belong to this sheep pen. I must lead them too. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. So, of course, Jesus was talking to faithful Jewish people. They were the sheep that he was talking about. 
Their sheep pen was the covenant that God made with Israel through Abraham. That was their pen. They were the chosen people. The hired hands were the unfaithful kings or the religious leaders that not only led them astray, but so often abandoned them in their, when they needed them the most. So when we Christians read this text today, it's so important for us to know who the other sheep were that Jesus was talking about to Israel. Guess who the other sheep were that Jesus was talking about? Us, exactly. Thank you, Colleen. Always depend on Colleen for a good answer. Us, you and me, any non-Jewish person were the other sheep. Jesus is saying, those other people, those Gentiles, are my sheep too. They don't belong to this particular sheep pen, but I must lead them as well. They will hear my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Thanks be to God. This is why at the Last Supper, Jesus is making a new covenant, a new sheep pen with his disciples. He is expanding the sheep pen to not just include Israel, but Israel and everyone else. Jesus is always looking for who he can include, who he can invite, and who he can love. We should be so thankful that Jesus calls for this kind of radical inclusion. This would be radical to Israel. What? Other people are included in this covenant too? And Jesus says, yes, they are my sheep as well. We should be so thankful for this kind of radical inclusion because it is why we are a part of the body of Christ today. Even though we're not a part of Abraham or David's line, even though we're not Israelite or from the tribe of Judah, we are still his sheep. He wants us to be one flock. So then, because Jesus is that way, radically inclusive, and we are a part of his flock today because of that radical inclusion, then we have to ask ourselves today, who are the other sheep that Jesus is saying, they're my sheep too. They belong in this sheep pen as well. As the body of Christ in this sheep pen called the church, and we're talking about big church, right? Universal church, not just Euclid. Who do we see as outside of our own sheep pen? Who are Jesus' sheep that we consider outside our pen? We have to think bigger than Sunday morning worship as well. Everyone is welcome to worship, but are we willing to welcome and include other sheep into the body of Christ and into our own lives as well? Maybe asking it in a different way. How are we trying to be one flock, one united people with other sheep? Are we actively trying to do that? I want to challenge us this morning and say that I think we American Christians have a habit of caring more about our sheep pens than we do about other sheep. I think we have a habit of caring more about our sheep pens than we do about other sheep. I think we, we 
think more about building our own stronger pens than we do about expanding our pens to build stronger relationships with other sheep. Like Israel, we can start to believe that our pen and our laws, our theology, our rule books, our customs, our rituals is what defines us as true sheep rather than the life and the covenant that God calls us into through Jesus. We can believe that people have to come into our pen, our way, where we believe certain things about the Bible and about the church, where we have these certain rules to follow, certain ways of dressing. And if you don't, you don't really belong in our clubhouse. I mean, in our pen. Right? We can start to really act and function that way. Now hear me. The pen matters. Right? Can I get an amen? The pen matters. A good, strong pen matters. But the pen was made for the sheep. The sheep was not made for the pen. Let that sink in. The pen was made for the sheep. The sheep were not made for the pen. We can get so caught up in making our own pens that we forget that our new pen, the covenant with Christ, is actually Christ's body. That is the covenant we are invited into as his sheep. We are called to practice his life, love, peace, joy, gentleness, justice, self-control, together as his body. That is the pen that we call home as believers not pens of our own making. And we like to make our own pens, right? Our scripture, our reason, our traditions, our experience builds up the body of Christ, not the other way around. We don't make the body of Christ be regulated by our own reason, our own interpretation of scripture, our own traditions, and our own experience. Jesus is our shepherd, and Jesus is always looking to bring others into the fold. This should challenge us to read our Bibles creatively, reading every page, remembering to ask ourselves, how does this help me to include other people? How does my reading of scripture today help me to include other people in my life? This should challenge us to pray for the bravery to include others. It's a brave thing to include other people. Pray for wisdom and love to speak to others and include them in our lives. I can tell you growing up in the church that it was way easier to go all the way to Mexico with food and clothing and supplies, be there for two weeks, pray with those people, give them what they need, and then go home and not even get to know the person across the street. It was way easier to love people at arm's length. It's really difficult sometimes to love people up close. And include them in your life. Include them in conversation. Include them in meals. In, in just living life together. Sometimes it's easier to clothe hungry people and not learn their name. Sometimes it's easier to feed them and not know their past. It's difficult to do that in relationships sometimes. Because you know their past and you're, you start asking questions about, are they deserving? Jesus knows us deeply and did he ever ask, are they deserving of the cross? Isn't that incredible? 
God's grace, Christ, even though we were yet sinners, took the cross for us without asking whether we deserved it or not. If Jesus did that, he wouldn't have taken the cross. So when we encounter people in deep, meaningful relationships, including them in our lives, knowing them and serving their needs are two sides of the same coin of holiness. Love in action. John Wesley was famous for saying, and he'd probably get tarred and feathered today for saying it, but he said, there is no holiness but social holiness. If our holiness isn't changing and transforming the culture around us to look more loving, justice, justice-seeking, and, and upbuilding people around us, then are we really a holiness people? Are we really a holiness people? Jesus says that we can't really love people at arm's length. Jesus is working towards one flock united, and we need to, to do that as well. But you know, it's like we said, it's really hard to be inclusive. It takes time, energy, and resources. And you know what? If we're honest, it can be scary. The, there are wolves out there in the world, just like the parable says. And sometimes we can invite wolves into our lives completely unaware. This fear above all makes us build our stronger walls, our stronger pens, and bigger locks on our sheep gate, right? Soon, though, we start getting suspicious that everyone might be a wolf. The world becomes really scary when we start looking at everyone as a potential wolf rather than a potential fellow sheep, right? Fear makes us look for wolves when we are called to look for other sheep. The moment we start living in this kind of fear is the moment we become the sheep gate ourselves. Have you ever heard the phrase gatekeeper? You know, that means like I say who comes in and who comes out, right? And I'm in charge of and regulating this flock. No one can enter this gate except through me. Somebody else said something close to that. Um, and so when we get in, in, when we hear ourselves saying, I'm in charge of who comes and who goes, who enters this place, who, who comes and is invited into this place, we better start checking ourselves, right? Because someone else said that they were the sheep gate, that they were the gatekeeper. They were the ones who were in charge of who comes in and who goes and who protects the flock. When we become gatekeepers... <laughs> based on this idea of fear of keeping out anyone who might be a potential danger or wolf, that's when we start keeping other people out based on age or race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or even political beliefs. We can start making our own little pens where we're very comfortable because everyone looks and sounds and acts a lot like us, right? Is that love? It doesn't take any work. If you love people who are just like you, right? Like, oh yeah, we all agree, this is great, I feel awesome, let's go to lunch. The church is called to be a place where we're challenged to grow in love every day. And the best way to be challenged to grow in love every day is to be around people who don't look or act or think like you. And so we're supposed to look for those other sheep to be around when none, none of those things, race, gender, sexual orientation, none of those things are evidence that someone is a wolf. And let me tell you another one. Differing political beliefs is not evidence that someone else is a wolf. Okay? Are we letting that sink in? 
just because we disagree politically or religiously doesn't mean that they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. They are a human being made in the image of God. And we should see how we are taken over by wolf-like ways, for sure. But we should never assume that they're so far gone that they will only ever be a wolf. One of my favorite John Wesley quotes, I've been quoting him a lot today, is we cannot, if we cannot yet think alike, at least we can still love alike, right? So if we don't agree on things, we can still strive to love alike with each other. When Christ's love is what unifies us as his flock, we can take all the time in the world to work out our disagreements, When love unifies us, it doesn't matter what we disagree with. If love is the center, we can take all the time in the world to iron out our differences, iron out our disagreements. But when we require agreement over a list of beliefs before we love each other, all we will have is conflict and fear. This is to forget who actually leads us. It isn't me as the pastor who leads us. It isn't our denomination. It isn't our articles of faith or our stance on social issues. It isn't our political party or our particular brand of Wesleyan holiness Christianity. Our leader, our great shepherd is Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the entrance of our sheep pen. All other things come secondary to him. He is the one who made that covenant with us. He is the one who protects us from the wolf so that we have no fear. He is the one who wants to include all his other sheep into one flock. And it isn't that there aren't conditions to enter the sheep pen. There are conditions to enter the sheep pen. It's just that Jesus met all those conditions to enter the sheep pen through his death and resurrection. Gets me every time. He restored the relationship between humanity and God so that anyone might be able to enter the life of God and be saved. Everyone can now be included who wants to live a life of love like Jesus lived. So then our community, our church, should never be about gathering people who believe the same way about everything. No, the church should be a community of radical inclusion, of people who are committed to seeing the fruits of the Spirit grow in each other's lives. A people who are desperate to become more capable of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then we turn and encourage others in our community to do the same as we work out the things that we believe we don't yet agree on. My professor would tell me all the time, every single one of us, from the Pope to me to whoever, have a couple heresies rattling around in their head. Thank the Lord that our salvation doesn't depend on having the exact right beliefs. We need to continue to work those things out together in community, never making them the point of entry to salvation. If Jesus is inclusive of other sheep, then why can't we? We must never forget the radical inclusion of Jesus that first brought us into the life of God as Christians. 
while we were still sinners, separated from God, Jesus took the cross so that we might be included. Grace upon grace upon grace. We must remember and reflect that same grace to those who we might consider other sheep today and extend the same grace to them. For our good shepherd is still at work to make us one. May we do the same. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, you are our good shepherd. You continue to lead us to be one. All throughout the New Testament, we are heard, be reconciled. Make my joy complete that you would be reconciled to God and to each other. Lord God, you were crucified for preaching forgiveness of sins, for preaching the inclusion of those outside the faith. And Lord God, may we be those who follow your example, that we turn and preach the good news of the forgiveness of sins, and we seek to be one with you, our good shepherd, and be led by your example in this world, to stick up for the most vulnerable, to speak out for the voiceless, to be the strength for those who are weak, just as you are our strength when we are weak. Would you help us to reflect your holiness amongst each other and in the world around us? Lord, we are so thankful and grateful and beyond awe for how deeply you love us. Let that love shine through us in all of our words, thoughts, and deeds. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, we're so glad you found our sermon podcast, and we pray that this was a place of hope, healing, and peace for you today. If you'd like to financially support the staff and ministries of our church, we've made it really easy for you to do so. On our podcast page, you should see a button that says support, where you can set up reoccurring giving at 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. Or if you're interested in giving more, head on over to our website at euclidnaz.org slash donate. Thank you so much for supporting the mission of Euclid. We really do believe that the difference we can make for the kingdom is greater when we do it together. Blessings to you today, friends.